This is Game Changers Podcast, inspiring conversations with leaders of tomorrow. Guys, welcome back to Game Changers Podcast, inspiring conversations with the leaders of tomorrow. I'm Harsh. And I'm AJ. And today we have Rahman Hamid from Rahman Hamid Studios today. Uh, Rahman's been a creative director and an artist for over six years, working with the likes of Snoop Dogg, Chris Brown, The Weeknd, Floyd Mayweather, Raptors, Oilers, Mike Tyson, Kobe Bryant, just to name a few. Um, he's worked in locally as well with The Rec Room, Alibi Ultra Lounge, ATB, BMO, Ultimate Towers, Sony, and that's just a couple just to start off. To name a few, right? <laughs> yeah, I know pretty much. How are you doing today? Good, guys. How are you? We're good, good man. Good. We're excited to have you on the show. Lots to, lots to unpack, especially like Appreciate it. the stuff we were talking beforehand. Yeah, I know it's unfortunate that that got cut off, but no, I know I think it'll be a good, it'll be a good talk. Yeah. So I guess before we get started, for our guests that don't know exactly what you do, just introduce yourself a little bit. Yeah. So my name is Ramon Hamid. I pretty much, as uh, as was mentioned earlier, I'm a professional artist, creative director, consultant, to say whatever you want to put it. As I uh, specialize in paintings, murals, uh, sculptures, graphic design, illustration, anything kind of I guess brand related, brand identity related, logos anything you can think of right um but yeah i've been doing this professionally for the last almost five six years but i've been doing it you know my whole life essentially as as far as i can remember but yeah no it's been it's been it's been a journey so far and i'm excited to see what else is just around the corner what's going on for you right now though right now i'm working on a few cannabis dispensary murals um i actually finished one uh, a couple months ago but just because of some delays um now i'm starting up the second two uh, I was actually supposed to start today, but it's Saturday, and I don't want to go in at 9 a.m. to work. So probably going to start that one tomorrow, start the other one, third one this week. I have a few other private commission paintings for some clients uh, locally in the U.S. Uh, one of them actually for a pretty prominent jeweler. Uh, he's a jeweler pretty much all the stars that you can think of, rappers, celebrities, musicians. Um, but yeah, so apart from that, just like the murals, paintings, uh, working on another project with... Uh, with the uh, Ultima Towers, as you mentioned, and a sculpture that will be about 16 feet high. Can't really share much about that quite yet because it's still a bit under wraps, but I'll mm -hmm. just leave you with that. Confidential. Yeah, you got to keep it low-key, <laughs> confidential. And yeah, I'm also uh, planning another art show for, uh, for London, for London uh, England. I just had one. Going international. You have to, man. <laughs> you have to. Like, I had one back in August 29th, uh, but I wasn't, unfortunately, able to attend. But we're planning a new show for probably fall winter, so just gearing up some pieces for that, you know, getting the right people involved, and hopefully it turns out just as well as the first one. For sure. You got a lot going on for you, huh? Yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean, a lot, but it keeps you busy, keeps you sharp, keeps you on your toes. And sure. you're a huge fan of, like, you're just a huge ball fan too, eh? I like, love basketball. And, man. like, even Marvels and, like, cartoons and stuff, because yeah. like, on your page, if you guys go on his page, um, it's Ramon H, and it's... His Instagram page and you're kind of pretty popular there too but it's more, there's there's this huge like segment of just um, you know NBA and Raptors because you're a huge Raptors fan too. Born and, born and raised in Raptors fan. I was born in Toronto actually. I was born in Scarborough. I uh, moved here when I was about seven years old back in 99. But yeah since then like I mean Raptors fan since the day I was born till the day I died. Uh, we go back every every couple every couple months. We go we visit Toronto every now and then. But yeah no uh, when they won the championship this year, that was like the highlight of my year. Apart from obviously hearing that my wife was pregnant. <laughs> but, oh, wow. Yeah. Yes, thank you, thank you. But yeah, no, Raptors, till the day I die. That's uh, dope. And that's, I guess, a perfect segue. Take us, because uh, we want to check back a little bit. We like to get started with like where how our guests got started, sure. right? So take yeah. us back. Were you always artistic growing up or run us through like your upbringing a little bit? To say the least, yeah. Uh, my mom taught me how to paint, how to sketch, and like just like the basics when I was probably like, five, six years old. Like I can remember drawing back when I was in like grade one, grade two. Yeah. So always throughout school, elementary, junior high, all the way to like the end of university. I was always known as that artistic kid, you know, the guy that could like draw pretty much anything that I put in front of him. And yeah, I've just been doing it my whole life, you know, just practicing, trial, you know, just seeing what works, seeing what doesn't work, lots of trial and error, lots of sleepless nights, developing my style. Um, I took art class in high school, uh, but that was more so because the art teacher kind of wanted me to take her class. She saw my work and she's like, I want you to take my class, but I don't want you to follow my lessons plan. I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, just do what you want to do. I just want to see what you're capable of. So that was in grade 12, back in 2010, actually, almost 10 years since high school. And uh, since then, it's just like, it's been part of my life for, for 
obviously since I was born. Uh, and professionally wise, since a business, I, I've been doing it probably since 2014, 2015. Right. Yeah. So there, I noticed like you said you graduated in 2009 from high school. 2010. Oh, 2010. 2010. And then 2014, you kind of made it more like your business pursuit. Yeah. So what happened in between there, those four years? Did you yeah. go to university? Or? Yeah, so I went to the U of A. Uh, I initially wanted to become a doctor, as everyone's wants. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I started... Or engineer. Yeah, or engineers or lawyers, right? One of those three. Otherwise, you're failing. Um, so I, I did my BA in psychology. Took all the undergrad classes for uh, for medical school. Like, all the psych, like the chemistry, the physics, the biology, anatomy. So that really, I guess, heightened my interest in human anatomy figures and yeah. that can you can kind of see that in some of my paintings that are a bit more realistic and detailed because you know you have to know the proportions you have to know where certain limbs go and how like they look at certain angles right and yeah like in 2013 when i was i think in my third year or so uh my, my dad was actually unfortunately diagnosed with cancer and he had passed away that was october 29 2013 so almost six years ago and that moment because he was always a strong supporter of my work like whether it's a small gallery show or a painting that he saw me doing at home, him and my mom would always be huge supporters, huge advocates, which is really rare, I guess, in the East Indian Pakistan for community, sure, yeah. uh, for your parents to be strong supporters of your creative, I guess, endeavors. So after that, I realized, you know, this is, I can't just leave my family and go, go to go off to medical school for another six, seven years. You know, I have to be there for them. And the best way I could be there for them and for myself is, you now I realize my artwork, my artwork, my creativity, my passion, so I finished up my school, uh, graduated back in 2016, but while I was still in school, I, I started, you know, just developing more of the business side of things, you know, putting it out online, putting it out on, out on Instagram back when I had like just only a few hundred followers or maybe even less. And through that, me and my brother actually developed our own clothing line. And this is when kind of everything starts getting, I guess, comes, starts coming together. So back in 2015, we were invited to uh, one of Las Vegas's premier trade shows for streetwear and like any sort of like, I guess, brand, brand apparel that you have. It was called Magic. And we were one of the few, I think only one of the two or three Canadian brands that were invited. Um, and the other two brands, we met them there. and we've, we've actually developed really strong friendships with them over the years since. So that show was pretty much, I guess, what you could say the breaking point. Like our, our this thing, is for your clothing brand. Right? This for the, uh, is a big break for the clothing and for mostly for the artwork, actually. So we went in with the mindset, hey, we have the clothing line, we have the hats, we have the t-shirts, the sweaters, everything, the bracelets, everything. Um, we, we're we're going to make a splash. You know, we have to we have to go all in because we were all in. We, we put in like close to 10 grand that we had to scrape together. We're like, we have to go. It's our first big break in the US. We got to make it worth it. But we realized, okay, everyone's going to be there with the same style booth, same layout, t-shirts, jackets, all their accessories laid out on like the same platforms, like an L-shaped booth. But like, we need something else that will allow us to stand out. Stand out, exactly. Yeah. Stand out and be different from what everyone else is doing. So we're, we're like, why don't we just take my paintings? My brother, he's like, why don't we just take your paintings? You have like 30 paintings here, like from anyone from Dragon Ball Z, Batman, you know, Mickey Mouse, like cartoons and pop culture related pieces. I'm like... You know what? Yeah, let's do it. I was a bit hesitant because, like, I knew, like, I wasn't sure actually how the U.S. market was for like my type of work. But I'm like, you know, you won't know until you find out. That's yeah. the thing. So you have to take a ga you have to roll the dice sometimes. You have to take a gamble. And then we went, and so we had all of our t-shirts, all of our apparel, and then we had our paintings all all like laid out on the front. So the way it was set up was, and if I could show you a picture, I would, but I'm allowed to take my phone out here. Uh, we had all the artwork, and then you saw the clothes. So that would draw everyone in. And, like, yeah. Everyone would stop by, whether they're going somewhere or coming back from somewhere else. They'd be like, yeah, we, we, want to we wanted to come back to your booth because you guys stood out. And that's, like, that's exactly what we wanted. We wanted to stand out because everyone else had, again, it's like clothing. We had artwork as well. So we realized just from the sale of one painting that we made that that would equate to like 20, 30 shirts. Yeah. So we realized, <laughs> I guess, the now this is kind of like when the business kind of like mind started clicking. We're like, we realize the profit margins from one painting is like 10 times, 20 times that of like a t-shirt and probably more. So we realized, okay, we, we have something, we have something here. We have the clothing line and we have the artwork. And once the event was done, we, we came back with about five paintings of 30 that we took. And of the 300 t-shirts that we had, we, yeah, we came back with maybe a couple, like maybe 12, 20 shirts, which is also good, but we realized there's just probably more of the artwork. And that trip also allowed us to meet Floyd Mayweather, Mike Tyson, uh, like the TMT crew, which again, we have strong relations till this very day. 
uh, with the camp. Uh, it's allowed us to open up a lot of other opportunities with other brands that were establishing themselves back in 2015 that are absolutely huge now. So in, in that, that Las Vegas trip, I would say, was the turning point of the creative, I guess, career, where it allowed me to meet people that I never would have thought I could meet. Allowed me to experience things I couldn't have ever thought I could experience, and allowed me to build, which I think is more important than any amount of money, build the relations that would lead to future work, future projects, future opportunities. And since then, it's just been one, one kind of one thing after another. Right. You dropped a lot there, so I want to, <laughs> I want to unpack it yeah, a little that's bit. That's fine. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess walk me through. So really, you were just doing art as like a passion. For as it. just like a hobby. And just like as, yeah. Like so I, you and your brother actually wanted to make a clothing brand. That's what it was then? Yeah. So we, we had the clothing line. It's called the Monster Clothing and Apparel. It's still active till this day, even though I haven't released a collection in about two, three years because of the artwork. It's actually kept me a bit too busy. Um, side note, I have the new collection coming out in fall, winter. So keep an eye out for that. Um, but yeah, so the clothing line we started, we, we saw a good traction in Edmonton, in Toronto. It's just pretty much like in most of the Canadian cities that we dealt with, but we're like, we need something bigger. We need to get into like the actual streetwear industry, which is yeah. heavily based in the US, right? And this was our opportunity. So he saw this ad for Magic Trade Show, which happens every, I think, August in Vegas. Uh, and they were like, okay, let's apply. It's going to be a bit pricey, but we, we, we got to take the risk. Right? Yeah. We won't know. We, we don't want to sit back home and regret not doing it. And I'm really fucking glad. Sorry if I'm just swore. That's all good. Don't worry. And I'm really glad that we couldn't, I mean, I mean, that we didn't actually, you know, just sit back at home and not do it. Like, I'm glad that we got stepped outside of our comfort zone financially and creatively. Yeah. And we're like, yeah, let's, it, the risk did pay off. So talk yeah. a little bit about how important that is. Because lots of people nowadays, they might be hesitant to really invest in themselves. Because that's a huge investment, right? Yeah. It's a risk. It's yeah. a huge investment. And, you know, you have that responsibility of taking care of your family. Yeah. So... How important is that for you to be able to just believe in yourself, your own craft, set a high, set a valued price for it because you just really need to value your own work, right? And really take that risk of investing in yourself. Yeah, I mean, it's very cliche and corny to say, but like without any risk, there's no reward in life, whether it's with investments, with your business, or you're just betting on yourself. Because if you don't believe in yourself, if you don't believe in your craft, whether it's me with my paintings, with my artwork, or you guys with what you do, no one's going to believe. Because if other people see that you, this guy doesn't believe in himself, why should I give a crap, right? That's the biggest thing. You have to have confidence. You just have to have that grind to do that. That that. If you're not passionate about it, don't don't even bother. Like that's that's okay. You'll find something that you're passionate about, but don't waste your time with it. Like if you're not truly going to commit fully to it, like day in day out, blood, sweat, and tears. Like trust me, if if it's something you love, you will cry over it. <laughs> Whether it's tears of joys or or tears of you know like you know frustration, you know stress. Like it happens, right? Like no matter how big of a business it might be. You have to, I guess, yeah, it just comes down to self-belief. You have, you have to know the value of your work. You have to know what you put into it. And uh, I still, even to the day, I get, I get a lot of people like, how can you charge this much for painting? I'm like, well, because I made it. Because uh, I know no one else can make what I do. Or even the people that can do what I, like, to a like, similar degree of what I do. Like, I know the amount of work that went into it. I know the amount of years of, like, studying and practicing and trials and errors and, like, failures and success that went into it. And I know that there's a reason that, you know, you're coming to me because you need the service done. It's not, it's not even that. It's like, I know the value of my talent. Like, and I, I maybe realized that a bit later than I wanted to. Like, really, I only started charging larger amounts like a few years ago. But you have to realize it's, it's your work. It's your time. It's your energy. It's, your, it's a labor of love. And if people can't see it, then they can't see it. You know, it, then it's not for them. But there are people that do see it. And they're the ones that you want to really connect with. Yeah, that's right. And is there, because I'm guessing, like, there's a big, like, a personality change that you probably had to go through, and, because you were on this destined path of, like, a traditional path of yeah. a doctor, right? From there to, like, taking this big risk of an well, art show, essentially, or... Um, yeah, I mean, yes and no a bit, because, like, growing up, and I guess I'm just really lucky to have the family that I have, and, like, the support that I have, where my family, my parents were, like, whatever you do, especially my dad would always say this, he's like, whatever you do, whether it's become a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer, an artist, a businessman, doesn't matter what it is, whether you make $100,000 a year or $10,000 a year, put your full heart into it and you'll be fine. Like, don't do anything half-assed. Like, so that was the biggest, like, I guess, motivation that I had, just like what he would say to me. He's like, yeah. it doesn't matter what you do, we have your back, no matter what. And again, I guess I'm, I'm fortunate to have that 
because I didn't always have to be like, oh yeah, I'm a doctor or I'm not supposed to like. Right. I, I always had art. I always had this passion, this creativity. And my brother, he would even like even to this day, he he always says to me like, I'd always tell our parents that let him pursue this. He, there's something there. Let him see what he can do with it. And then honestly, if it wasn't for that support, I guess I wouldn't be where I am today with like the opportunities that I've had that I that I keep having and the people that I've met, the things that I've seen. But yeah, I think it just comes down to just having the right people around you as well. Right. Um, apart from just having that support and like that being yeah. yourself. And that's uh, very special, actually, like, because you're right, it's kind of rare in our community also. Yeah. And, but to see, like, a figure like your brother to kind of step in and essentially vouch for you, right? Yeah, honestly, for, like, he's <clears throat> been a very strong, he's been a big reason why I've seen some of the success that I've seen. Because he, like, he's very business-minded, like, he's very business-oriented. He can talk to anyone, doesn't matter who it is. And this, this is another, like, side story that's going, this is going back to Vegas. So when we were invited to Floyd Mayweather's gym... He was talking to Floyd as if he was like his boy for like five years. Oh, really? And then one of the like we went there three times during our two weeks there, and on the third, third and last visit, we saw Warren Buffett there. And there's a story of the Warren Buffett visit where he he visited Floyd's gym because Floyd just like you know bounced back you know ideas about you know business and financial back and forth with him. So he, I, my brother, heard him saying that he wants a hat, he wants to wear someone's hat, and no one wanted to give their hat to, to Warren Buffett because. Like he's one of the richest people in the world. You all want to just give a dirty hat off your head. So my cousin, who was with us at the time um, on the trip, um, so he had one of our hats on. So like, we had like two, three hats left at the trade show. He's like, my brother grabbed the hat from his head. He gave it to Mr. Buffett. He's like, Mr. Buffett, I want you to wear our hat. He's like, thank you for this hat. I want you to wear our, my, my glasses. He's like, what do you mean? He's like, he took his glasses off. And he gave them to my cousin. And I have a picture on my Instagram if you want to scroll all the way back to 2015. Yeah. Where it's Warren Buffett with his arm around my cousin wearing our hats from our brand. Yeah. And my cousin's wearing his glasses. And then I go up to my brother after. I'm like, how the hell did you do that? He's like, honestly, like, they're people at the end of the day. It doesn't matter yeah. how, many, how much money they have. doesn't matter how big they are, how, how much of a global, I guess, phenomenon they are. They're just people at the end of the day. They, they, they bleed the same blood. They breathe the same oxygen. They have the same fears and the same desires and passions and just like... They're just normal people. You talk to them like normal people and they'll talk to you back. That's so special. And yeah. That's crazy, actually. Like yeah. somebody like Warren Buffett, wow. too. Right? Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, when, when I, when I tell people that, they don't believe me, which is why I like to have these photos on hand. Yeah, so like, yeah. Well, here you go. <laughs> just so you know I'm not lying. It's funny because have you seen that other photo? It's like Bill Gates. He's like standing outside a burger stand. Yeah, like some tall like, stand. Yeah, and he's yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. he gets to wait like a regular yeah, person. I mean, because that's exactly what they are. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. and, that, and like you mentioned something about an attitude change. Like, the one thing that I, that I always give my brother and my family credit for, and now my wife as well, is like they always keep me grounded. Like yeah. They, if they see that I'm getting super excited about a project, which you should, I mean, it's your hard work paying off. But they see that I'm, I don't say I don't say I get arrogant, but I think I, I sometimes, and I, I, I can admit this, I sometimes feel like, I think I'm like I'm a hot shot. Like, like oh, I'm working with this client, I have this project, you know, look at me go, and which is not a good thing at all, but. It's good to have people that kind of bring you back down to earth. Yeah. As quickly as all the success can come, it can go away just like that. Right. And things like I'm very lucky to be able to do these things. Um, you know, brown kid in Edmonton, right? Yeah. Doing doing stuff like this, but yeah, like like that's the one thing with the personality change. Like just like these people with the billions of dollars to their name, they they're not. They don't think they're better. They don't look down on like even Floyd Mayweather. He has a public image of being a bit of a prick, yeah. but when you meet him in person, he's very nice. Oh, really? Like, when I gave it because I, I I gifted him a painting at his gym the first day we went, and he he put his arm around me. You know, he like rubbed my shoulders. Like, thank you so much. I really appreciate this. You didn't have to. Yeah. And I'm like, wait a second. You're not like anything that you know you see on on social media. He's like, that's that's just a public image. Like, everyone has a brand that they have to keep up with, right? And with me, it's like the attitude change that I saw was I have to always remain thankful, humble, and grateful for what I have. Right. Because it can all be gone tomorrow. Right. Right. So on that topic of family, because yeah. you mentioned, you know, your brother as well. Yeah. Your family. So I just wanted to like maybe get get some um, knowledge about, you know, your experience with your dad. And, yeah. You know, when we're talking about that huge shift of your personality, how did that experience, you know, with your dad and how, how did that, at, you know, obviously you're in such a, a young age. You yeah. How did that yeah. experience really change you and really transform you as a person? What did it do like, for you? Like losing my dad or yeah. just my experience? Well, losing, obviously that's like one of the biggest things anyone can ever go through. I was probably, what, 22? I was, no, sorry, I was 21 when that happened. So I was very young. I was still in school. I really had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. 
but at that time I realized, you know, this isn't, I, I can't be beating myself up over this because that's not, again, it's kind of cliche to say that's not what he would want. But growing up, I saw my dad, like he would go through it all, but he would always have a smile on his face. We would never know what he's going through or how much stress he's under because he wouldn't let his family see it because he, you know, he'd be like, I have to I have to be strong for you guys. Otherwise, you know, we're all going to lose. Right, right. And I saw him, you know, with his businesses, with his geology job, like he would, he would like, and this is what he would always instill in us. Doesn't matter how much money I make now, it can all be gone tomorrow. So same thing with the business, with the job, anything. It's like you're gonna see the the success, but it's a matter of how you handle the success. If you let it change you, then that just shows that you're only. It shows that you're very, I guess, moldable. Like if you see money coming, it's like you're you're gonna become a bit of an asshole. Yeah. Right? But I saw I had a great a great example of my dad and my mom was like they had. And at that point, when I was when I was younger, I didn't know the concept of money. But when I look back, I'm like holy crap, like we were really like lucky to grow up the way we grew up. It's like, and I saw him like he would be the same whether he had, you know, like fifty thousand dollars in his pocket or like fifty bucks in his pocket, brand new car or broken down. Yeah. So we we we've been through it. Like we like at one point in twenty ten, like we 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 went through some issues with the, with the business where we saw like our brand new cars we had to sell them. We had to get something you know, cheaper, like older, but like I, like when I saw my dad, he was like, doesn't matter whether it's a, you know, brand new 2018 or 20, at that time, 20, 2010 BMW or like a 20, you know, 2001 Honda Civic, like a car is a car, give it the same value, just like how you give people the same value, no matter who they are. So he kind of really just taught me and I, I still stick with it till this day. And I'm probably gonna teach my kids the same thing with that. doesn't matter how much money you have in the world, doesn't matter how much success you have, just be a good person. Yeah. Just be yourself. Don't don't let this change you, and then that that's that just makes a lot of life a lot a lot you know easier because you don't want to be a prick. You don't want to be an asshole, and you don't want people to be like, oh, money changed him, success changed him, or And you need to know how to handle situations. If you yeah. can handle success very well, you can handle struggles as well. Yeah. Right? Okay. Um, thanks for sharing that. I want to bring it back to like I guess your career and your sure. yeah. how you got. Your breaks, essentially. So you told us a little bit about your Vegas show. Yes. And how it, I guess, unintentionally turned out to be your art show, like your first art show in a way, or art guess, exhibit. Yeah, yeah. Um, where did it go from there? So I guess briefly tell us where it went from there. Yeah, so from there, we just kind of capitalized off the momentum. Yeah. We kept in touch with uh, the with Boyd's team and everyone else that we met. Uh, and just through there, like they would share my work on their social medias, and that would just bring in more clients, just simply because they posted it. That's the, and that's the one thing I love, uh, especially about Instagram. Like if someone that is, uh, I guess, a public figure posts your work uh, on their story or at that time just on the timeline, their followers will see it and they will follow you back because it's just, I guess, it's just the law of attraction. Like right, when they right. see that their favorite celebrity or their favorite musician is posting about someone else's work, they'll, they'll be like, okay, that person must be good at what they do or they must be really important. Let's give them a follow. Let's give them a, you know, let's give them a look. Let's yeah. give them some business. It's like a way of appreciation. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and it, it can kind of be like an avalanche effect, or, or sorry, like, not avalanche, a snowball effect, where one person posts and then another person sees it, and then they post, and like just keeps building up like that. So I guess like the first person that I, I directly contacted was Patrick Patterson. He's a current NBA player. This is back when he's on the Raptors. Um, so again, I reached out to him for the clothing line. Yeah. So I got him a bunch of T-shirts and hats for free. Turns out the sizes were completely off because he's super tall and he's like. Beyond just a normal human. Did you just DM him? Is that how you found that him? I, I slid into his DMs. Really? Legit. legit I, just, I can show you the DM. I slid into it. I'm like, hey, man. Huge fan. Like, you know, just a typical fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would love to get you some of my merch. And he's like, yeah, bet. Send, send it over. Gave me his address. And that was back in 2015 as well. So I've known Patrick for about four years myself, uh, you know, till this day. And a year later, I sent him a free Batman and Joker painting for his new house that he bought after, I guess, he signed a new contract with the Raptors. And he's like, how much do you want for it? So I'm like, don't worry about the payment. This is a gift. I yeah. just want you to see it. Because that's the one thing that a lot of people be, will, will, will ask me. Like, how much did you charge this celebrity? I'm like, usually the first one's a gift because I want them to see the value of the work in person. Because, you know, seeing something in person and know, like, on a picture is a completely different story. I want them to see the value of the work and, like, the quality of it. And if they like it, they'll reach back out to me. They'll, they'll buy it. And that's exactly what Patrick did for his birthday, like, a few months after. He's like, yeah, I have a, I have a 90s theme party. I need you to do something based on the 90s. So I did uh, Tupac, a biggie, a fresh Prince of Bel-Air inspired piece, and a, a big collage piece of like all the 90s Cartoon Network cartoons, because he's a big Dragon Ball Z fan. He's a big pop culture fan himself. Big movie buff. 
So from there, like when he posted on his Instagram, that's how I got Fred VanVleet and a few of the other rappers at that time to follow me, to like my posts and to reach out. Yeah. And again, it's kind of like a snowball effect. Once they see you on someone else's like story, they'll reach out to you, then they'll buy from you and then they'll post it and then keeps going. It's like a chain reaction. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then Fred, like he recently signed a new contract last summer uh, for like two, three years, I believe. And then he's like, yeah, I got a new house. I, I need some paintings. So he picked up like five, six paintings plus a stormtrooper helmet that I painted. And then I'm like, hey man, you just had a baby girl. I sent him a Mickey Mouse painting for free just as a oh, really? daughter. And just right now during the finals, he had his baby boy. Uh, and then I sent him another painting. I'm like, this is this is for your son. Uh, it's on the house. It's, it's a gift from my family to yours. And he's like, man, I really appreciate that. Like, He texts me. He's like, yeah, like he loved the painting. My wife loves the painting. And that's the thing. You have to build these personal relations too. Apart from the business. Yeah. People appreciate that, right? Because yeah. it's not a transaction anymore. And- no, previously Sears came on as well, and she was talking about this. Where building networking, it's not it's not just about you know a transaction. Where because sometimes what you can do is you can build something even more special, and yeah, you really just build that connection and that relationship, and like, like a friendship. friendship. Because yeah. even with Floyd, the first painting was a gift, and everyone's like, "How much do you charge him? Do you charge him fifty grand? Blah blah blah, hundred grand." I'm like, I didn't charge him a single penny because like I wanted to see that, and you want any of these like I guess celebrities, these public figures, to see that you're not going to them for their money. You're going to them for their relationship, the network. Yeah. Because they can, they'll just brush you off if they think you just want their money. But like, hey, this guy doesn't, he has nothing more than a piggy bank, right? But when they see that you're gifting it to them, when you're just showing your appreciation for them, then they'll be like, okay, they're, they value me as a person. So I'm going to value them as a person. Because when you talk to them and deal with them, just like how you do with your friends, like how I'm talking to you guys, yeah. then that, that means more than any dollar. Because that builds a relationship that will last for years to come. Did you, so this, I guess this skill of relationship building, yeah. is this something like you just learned as you went through or how did this idea, because I like, I really like that where you first thing you do is you just give them a free painting yeah. and it's like a yeah. way, it's like a mutual offering or essentially like and, to build, with them. and to build trust, yeah. right? Does that some, is that a good skill you picked up on the way or how did that come That's about? something I just kind of saw with my parents throughout life, like anytime anyone would need any sort of help, they would be there for them. Uh, my brother would be there for them. I see that in my wife a lot as well. Like she, she has a heart of gold where she's, doesn't matter if they, she hasn't spoken to the person for four or five years. If they need help, she's going to be there for them. I mean, you need that trust. You need that relationship building skill within yourself because that's the biggest thing. Like, your you know, people are your biggest assets, you know, your health and people that you know because money comes and goes, but these relationships will last. Yeah. And these relationships, if, even if it doesn't pay off now, it will eventually, for whatever reason, down the road, if it's, for, like, if it's financially or if it's something else that you might need, like, Relationships are, I guess, the backbone of any business. It's very true. Like, right now I'm just thinking, as you know, obviously your story about how you reached out to the first DM and, you know, how the effect that created. So, yeah, the lesson for me, I think, from, from that is, uh, like, you know, lots of people are just hesitant to really reach out and they really undervalue themselves. And you must have DM like, maybe 100 people. But just that one response, that's, the that's thing. So, really does so much and I think it comes back to, to your first question about just like that belief in yourself and like just kind of saying fuck it and going for it because they have to do that. You can't just be, yeah. you can't just think, oh, because everyone's going to think the same thing. They're like, oh, he might not reply or they might or they, they might not reply. And that's true. Like these celebrities, these, these ball players, they have thousands if not millions of followers constantly commenting, tagging them and like DMing them. So sometimes you might just have to be lucky where if they're on their phone at that time, they see your message come in, then that's your, I guess that's your golden window. Sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. Like, this is another side story. I have a lot of side stories. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this goes back to how Chris Brown started following me. So back in 2016, I believe. Um, 20, yeah, 2016. So he follows you on Instagram. Follows you on Instagram. Oh. And I'll tell you how he follows me on Instagram. So back when Target was just new in Canada, uh, they, they, uh, they had a location in Kingsway Mall. So that location actually shut down. So out of the blues, like, I don't know who this person was, Someone just randomly texted me saying, hey, I'm from Kingsway Mall, and I, I've been following you on Instagram, and I noticed that you have some really bright, vibrant work, and we recently just closed down our Target location. So would you be open to using the whole Target space as like a gallery type of thing, like it's like to do murals, to do like events, to do whatever you want with it? I'm like, wait a second, Target's huge. It's like a, it's like a Zeller's type of size. So they want... So they wanted to give me the whole space, bottom floor, top floor, to do whatever I wanted. And I, obviously that's too much space for one person. But I said, yeah, screw it, I'll do it. It's free space, why not? So I painted a few murals there, a Star Wars, 
uh, like a Darth Vader stormtrooper and a Winnie the Pooh mural. And then I just tagged Chris Brown in it because I know he hates himself. He's, he's really into street art and pop art. So I just tagged him for the fun of it, put my phone away for like an hour and started working on another mural. So then when I went to go check the time, my friend from Toronto, she, she messaged me on Snapchat. She's like, dude, what the fuck did you do? I'm like, what do you mean? What did I do? Like, I'm just painting right now. She's like, Chris Brown is following you. I'm like, what do you mean? He's, she's like, look at your Instagram. It's blowing up. I'm like, all right. So I opened my Instagram and that paint, the, 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 the post before had like maybe like 80, 90 likes. Yeah. But then this post that I tagged him in that he liked jumped up to like 2,500 likes. I'm like, wait a second, what's going on? And I think at that point I had like 700 followers and then no, fifteen hundred, and then in the in the span of an hour, it jumped up to like twenty seven hundred followers. I'm like, that's crazy. That that right there showed me the power of social media. Then that snowball effect that I mentioned before that if a celebrity posts about you or even likes your post, it's kind of creepy how his followers can see what he likes. Yeah. yeah. But his followers would be like, hey, if Chris is liking this, I have to like it too. And then the followers just came in, came in, and then I was like, how? I was like, how? How is this even possible? Like, this is how the world works. <laughs> like. But it's really cool. It's really it's like a first hand experience of seeing it literally right before your eyes, and uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. And <laughs> the influence, you're right. Like, I guess that's why like influencers are kind of a thing now because of things yeah. like that, right? Like, if they get behind it, then their whole like army gets behind it per se. Essentially, like the whole fan base, yeah. the followers, they're like, hey, if this person literally they can post anything. It's like, yeah, if they like it, I'll like it. Yeah. Right. But like a big part of it, it's also just like your own. Uh, like just creating your own unique art, right? Because what you do, it's very unique. Not yeah. many, like there's not many people doing that same kind of style out there as well. And mm -hmm. when people notice it, it just grabs your attention, right? And yeah. it just like it's like okay, wow, this is kind of unique. And I think that's a huge part of why you get so much appreciation and traction, even from celebrities and just normal people and normal engagement as well, right? Because I mean, the the one thing I think works is just like I guess the the characters that I use, like because a lot of people, everyone for that matter, whether it's you and I or whether it's a celebrity, we've grown up on, you know, watching Batman, Superman, Mickey Mouse, you know, like these cartoons of our childhood, which is why even nowadays, like, I've noticed, like, I was watching Dragon Ball Z last night, and I noticed that the popularity of that show now is much bigger than it was back then, because also social media didn't exist back then, but these are things that everyone grew up on, like, Patrick Patterson, sometimes, he, like, Fred Van Lee, what the, the biggest painting he bought for me was a Goku versus Frieza, it's like a four foot by five foot canvas, probably... Maybe he's just slightly bigger than this one. And I'm like, you like Dragon Ball Z? He's like, dude, I, I grew up on it. Yeah. Like, and that, that's the thing. That, it's that commonality where it's like, hey, I grew up on it. He grew up on it. We're just we're regular guys, just like Dragon Ball Z, right? And that's the thing. Like, a lot when people see my paintings, they're like, hey, I can relate to it. I can connect to it because I grew up on this cartoon or on this comic book or superhero. And like, even like older clients that are like, that, you know, like our parents' ages, they, they relate to it as well because they grew up on some form of Mickey Mouse or on some form of Batman or some variation of it. And like, yeah, like I grew up on it, on it. My kids grew up on it. Like it's, it, these are gen like I mentioned, like right before interview, like these are generational icons that even my kids kid will know who Mickey Mouse is. So how'd you like find that style? Because like, even with like, obviously what you draw, it's very different and unique, Yeah. but even like the colors that you use, it's very different. Like I haven't really seen anything like it. And like, how, how'd you come up with that? Like just from your start, like, what what made you decide? Hey, I'm gonna color. I'm gonna use these these type of colorways. I'm gonna draw cartoons. Like, what gave you the inspiration to really do that? Yeah. So for the colors that I use, I try to keep it as bright and vibrant as I can. So I use a lot of fluorescent neon colors, especially under low light. They kind of have a nice little glow to them, uh, and like it, it grabs your anything that can grab your attention. Like even if you're if I if I'm doing a live painting and you see me from across like I guess the venue, you'll see that okay this guy's using bright colors. So it naturally would gravitate people towards you and towards your work because. I mean, it's like, it's like a kid seeing a shiny coin or like a shiny object. You want to see what's going on. So when I, when I use brighter colors or like brighter like abstract patterns or whatever, or like these big, bold designs, it really pulls people in. And I've noticed it. I'm like, okay, what, what grabs people's attention? It's brighter colors at least. Yeah. And even if you're using dark colors, it's like the contrast of colors that you use. You can have black, but you can also have a bright gold with it or black and silver. Or like, it doesn't have to be super bright or neon, but like anything that has a nice contrast to it. Where did you, so how did you establish your niche though? Because I noticed your work's very like, we were mentioning before, cartoon, Marvel themed, or like sports themes too, like Raptors. You based on what I love. Like, yeah. like I, I, I grew up on these comic book characters. I grew up on these heroes. I grew up, you know, watching basketball, you know, the Raptors, Lakers are my team. You know, Kobe Bryant in his prime. Like pretty much I paint what I like. I paint what I grew up on. And 
it just so happens that a lot of other people like the same things. Is that what you love about art then? It's just the medium of expression for yeah, you? And like, commonality, like a way to find commonalities with other people, right? Because the biggest thing I notice is when I try painting for what other people like, I struggle with it. Like, I can't, I can't, I can't have that same passion behind it, but if I'm just painting, like, okay, if I watch Avengers Endgame, like, okay, I want to paint an Iron Man painting now, I'll paint it, and it just turns out that, you know, Iron Man, the Avengers, are, they're huge nowadays, right? So, it's just, if you paint what you love, like, you'll, you'll find people that like it. You're not going to get everyone to like it, because that's just, you can't cater to everyone's flavors. Yeah. But, you know, there are going to be a lot of people that still have, like, shared interests, because it's a, it's a popular, it's a big franchise character, right? So I just find that when I paint simply just what I like, like it, it does hold the right attention. And you really invest into it too, because since it's something you really love, you really put in that hour and that and like just that time because it just means so much to you as well because you just have a passion for it. So you just combine like your personal interest as well as just your passion for art. And yeah, and you, you just want to make sure that it's perfect, right? And even if that's your own interpretation of what perfect is, right? So going on for that, um, you know, we've talked about some really great stuff, great stories, and uh, it's really fun talking about that. But I guess we want to take a shift to maybe some struggles that you really face in pursuing this dream. You know, you're becoming an artist and where you've gone. Yeah, so I think the biggest struggle that I think most entrepreneurs, uh, especially in the creative field, face is getting that traction, getting the clients, getting the business, and getting fame out there. But I think the biggest thing to do with that is, or to, I guess, combat that is just keep working. Just keep grinding, just keep believing yourself as, I guess, you know, corny as that sounds, but you gotta, just gotta keep grinding it out. Uh, and things like, to get your work out there, you have to put yourself out there. And that's what uh, also kind of helped me with, like, my, uh, I, I guess, stepping outside of my comfort zone, because, like, big events, live paintings with, like, hundreds of people watching you, like, I was usually comfortable with public speaking before, or, like, public events, like, with, like, people watching me do something, but, I'm like, if I want to grow this into something, I have to, you know, take that step. Same thing with if you're a filmmaker or a photographer, you have to go to like networking events, you have to go to, you know, places where people will see you. You can't expect people to see you if you're sitting at home all the time, right? You have to take, yeah, you, you know, you have to just take some Get out risks. of your comfort zone. Yeah, get out of your comfort zone, just gain that confidence. And the more you do something, the more, the natural it becomes just over time. Like my first live painting event was back in 2014. And right after my dad passed away, my brother, I remember him saying this, he's like, Go out there and make people know who you are. Like, put on a show for them and just have confidence in yourself. Because if, because he again, he going back to like what he does. Like he he's I guess he could be a hype man for me, but he can also like help bring my confidence level back up. If I'm like, if I'm like, you know, if, if you're in a rut, right? If you if you have a creative block or if you're just going through some shit. And then after that, like I've done probably close to a hundred live events and just one after another. It's just like it's it, it's it's awkward. To so I paint, I interact with, with people watch, watching me coming up to talking to me. And I get a lot of people asking me, like, how do you paint and talk at the same time? And I'm like, well, I just got used to it. <laughs> you know, that's, and I think that's the biggest struggle that some people face is just getting used to certain, like new, new things, new environments. And I just, I guess, again, I said this before, but stepping outside of your comfort zone. Because you can just stay at home and you can draw like the best paintings, but if you're not really out there and you're not putting that work yeah. out there, then no one's really going to see it, right? And, and the the thing with me is that I, I never traveled like just by myself to the States before, but I had to go to Atlanta, I had to go to Chicago and LA for just like events that were, that called me out. I'm like, I can't say no to these because I've never traveled by myself to the States because I would always travel with my brother or like my family. Um, you know, I have to, you know, in a sense, you know, throw some balls and do this, right? <laughs> so, and, and again, those are experiences. Those are like, those are moments that you'll look back on to like, hey, this really helped me. Um, you know, gain this confidence, do things on my own as well, and just learn how to interact with new people in different environments. Like, you're in a completely different city in a completely different country. So, again, again, it just comes down to just kind of stepping outside of your zone. Right. Um, I guess we'll transition a bit. So, well, you told us what you're currently working on. Yeah. The one thing I wanted to touch on, like, I also noticed you shared, like, a little while ago, this, I guess, a memory, essentially, of how you got into painting cars or you're painting supercars. How did that come about? Yeah, so essentially, that's a good. That's one of the coolest stories that I that I have. Um, so pretty. This is back in 2015. A lot of things happened in 2015. <laughs> now that now, now that I think about it, so essentially, my brother he had this client who has a marketing firm in the city, and he also collected cars. So he's like, and I don't know who this guy was until like the night of. So my brother came. Like, hey, my client wants you to paint his Maserati. So I'm like, hey, well, that's pretty cool. Like, I can paint it on a canvas. What size is he want? He's like, no, 
he wants you to paint on the actual car. I'm like, how do you paint on a car? Hmm. And then I've seen some other artists painting on cars, but like, I didn't know how they actually went about it. Cause like, I don't know if they were painting on the actual body page or if they applied something else on top. So then I did some research, did some studying. So then I realized, okay, we can use Plasti Dip to Plasti Dip this car white. Cause it was like a glossy piano black. Yeah. And I'm like, no, nothing's going to show up on a black car. Cause it's not going to pop as much as it would on a white car. So let's Plasti Dip it white. So we, we went to this auto body shop, I think by Short Park or something. And we got like nine layers of white Plasti Dip. It's like matte white Plasti Dip. So what I painted on it, it was like painting on a canvas. So this, this whole project, was like a Saturday, like it's like a Friday Saturday project, and then Sunday we did like a clear coat on the car. So Friday, Friday I put twelve hours straight. Saturday I put another five six hours. So probably like close to like seventeen eighteen hours when it took me just painting this car. And I'm like, this is like my biggest, most ambitious project, and I guess my most my, my most delicate project, you know, to date. So because if I if I fucked up on this painting, like this guy's gonna get pissed off it's his car right it's a Maserati, it's a Maserati. <laughs> so then once the car was done once we clear coated it once we like applied the, the, the finishing touches we're like we have to find a way to I guess showcase this car other than just simply posting it on Instagram so like how can we do this then I'm like why don't we just do an art show so then, then my, my, my client my brother like yeah why don't we just do that because uh, he had a loft downtown and this is around like the same time like four years ago like on September, so it's getting a bit chilly. So we're like, we have to do something indoors. We have to do something quick before it snows. So, we, so from when the car was done on a Sunday till the following Friday, that's when pretty much all the planning of the show happened. The show took place on the Friday following. So that show had probably like close to two, three hundred people, close to thirty paintings that I've done. I had to make like a, another five, six paintings just for that show in that, that two, three, uh, two, three day window. We had the Maserati as like the centerpiece, and we had a bunch of other supercars, like other clients in the city show up. So within a day, so no, within a day, within a week, or like less than a week, within like five days, we put together the show, we got all the vendors, we got all the artwork installed, we got all the cars out, and that was my first solo show. And looking back on that, I'm like, I'm glad that I kind of, again, stepped outside my comfort zone to take on a project that I don't want to have. I guess had the guts to take on because it's a, it's someone's it's, it's a, even if it's a Maserati or whether it's a Honda Accord, it's someone's car, it's someone's yeah. property, right? You don't want to screw that up, and that in itself opened up a lot of opportunities with the city to the other car collectors that are out there. The one thing I've noticed in, with Edmonton is there's a lot of hidden wealth. So if you know the right people, then you know the right people, and this is how these types of events are like how you can get to know certain people that you normally wouldn't meet, right? Hmm. Very cool. I guess it's a good transition point. So you've kind of established yourself and for sure, like in the art community in Edmonton and beyond, what does like the future vision look for you? Like, what do you want to do next? Well, the future vision kind of has to do with what just recently happened. So I want to be more international. So we have our reach in Edmonton, we have our reach in Toronto and quite a bit of reach all throughout Canada. But I want to be, I guess, like a global name. I want to be a art market, fusion art market, West art market. So with the show that just happened in London, uh, we're planning like another show probably for like fall, winter, or even like spring once the weather is a bit better. But apart from that, just on a personal basis, I want to have like a full boutique studio, just like on Jasper Ave, you know, downtown, part of the city, where it serves as a studio, workspace, and a gallery at the same time. Not just for my work, but if anyone else wants to do a show there or wants to display their work, their work sell it there. Pretty much like a consignment gallery. So I have my my work, then I can have other artists that are upcoming come and do the same thing. Because I know for a fact when I was starting out, I just wanted that one, I guess, outlet to kind of put my work in, like that one bench or that one spot. So if I can provide that to someone else and help them grow, then that's just a one win, right? So right. It's art for everyone. Yeah. And uh, actually, going off of that, like, is there, when you were coming up, was there someone that really like took you under their wing in a sense? Did you have a mentor of any sort? Or did you just Honestly, I don't think I did. I just had, like, it, it, it's kind of shitty to say because, like, people that I show to, they would either just give me, like, just poor advice or they just wouldn't give me any advice at all. I would say, sorry, I would say I, the best mentorship I've had is probably my family. Yeah. Because they're like, doesn't matter if other people see it, we, we know what you're capable of uh, and we know you can do this. And I think, honestly, something that's all you need. Yeah, very genuine yeah. too, right? Because it's, it's your family at the yeah. end of the day. Yeah, they're, they're, they're going to tell you how it is, whether they like something, whether they don't. And, and I've, even till this day, I have my wife. She's like, yeah, I don't like this painting. I'm like, I just spent eight hours painting this. What do you mean you don't like it? She's like, yeah, I know, I know you can do better. I'm like, okay. So yeah. then I just paint over it and just do something better. 
because they because you know they're gonna they want your best at you know they, they want your best interest at heart even if it's like you know like the honest brutal truth if you don't want to hear it like they're they're still gonna tell you because they just want you to to be the best that you can yeah, be yeah. right hmm. um and going off of that so that you kind of established your vision and is that <laughs> i guess concrete do you want to get back or you want to keep growing your clothing line as well the monster well or? with the clothing line like that that's always something that we've had on the side and yeah. like, if you see it on on instagram you can see like the visuals and the, and the creative direction are completely different from my artwork and that's intentional so the artwork i want it to be very pop culture oriented and the clothing line i want it to be like more high end streetwear like you know, like Renaissance inspired, like darker colors, bolder visuals. Uh, but with that, yeah, like we, we, like I mentioned earlier, like we have the new collection. It's already made. We just have to like get all the photo shoots done, put the website back up. And we have the spring summer collection coming out. And I realized, you know, with, with, uh, if, if it wasn't for that, I guess, project, the artwork, I guess, wouldn't have blown up the way it has. Because right. the holding line took us to Vegas and Vegas showed us the, the value of the artwork and like the, the I guess, the, the, the demand of it. And I'm like, if I didn't have the clothing line, then we would have gone on that trip. Then yeah. all these other people would have, I guess, snowballed, snowballed out yeah. right after. So, yeah, no, I, 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 we even have, like, our, our uh, clients and our, our uh, collectors before, like, what, when are you bringing up the new collection? I'm like, well, give us some time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So probably winter, fall, winter, late winter, uh, spring, summer for the following collection. But, yeah, it's, I just want to bring that back, have it, have it re- I guess, rejuvenated. I really appreciate you sharing all that. And yeah. I think something that really resonated with me was, and what we really try to do here with the podcast as well, you know, you saying you really want to give back to, you know, just help upcoming artists in that sort of sense as well. Yeah. And you, know, you said you want to create a platform where anyone who's into art can kind of just create and share their work and get exposure in that way. And I think yeah. lots of times people, like people from the same, people from the same industries, they kind of get caught up in competition, but there's also that, you know, everyone can win, right? You can collaborate in. The way I look at it, like someone else's success shouldn't affect you. Like if anything, you should be happy for them because they're not, unless they're directly stealing or like poaching your clients, I think that's a different story. That's like, you have to kind of talk to them on a one-on-one basis, but someone else's success shouldn't affect yours because your success doesn't affect theirs. And I just, like when I look back on it, like I, I kind of I hope that I had a mentor or like a space where I could like put my work in because I think it just would have helped uh, with the confidence level, with just like the overall growth. And I'm thinking, like, if I can do that for someone else, I mean, what do I have to lose? From? You know, I'm, I'm helping someone else gain in their, in their, in their career. I'm mean, helping someone else, you know, if, if anything, inspire them more to pursue their work. And again, you don't, you don't lose anything to help someone, right? Yeah. You, should, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't let your ego put your pride in the And I really appreciate, like, where the energy comes from. It's, like, it's from a place of this, like, giving to upcoming artists as well. And going off of that, I just wanted to ask. Yeah. Like, do you have a message to maybe, like, you know, there's, because there's so many people getting into art and different types of art and yeah, innovating sure. with art. What's your message to, um, you know, upcoming artists or young artists and kind of just how to stand out and really, you know, make their niche and really get successful? I mean, this kind of goes back to your first question, like, how you kind of get yourself out there. It's just, it's all about just that belief in yourself, that having confidence in your work, even if no one else does, because if, 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 you ha- if you believe in what you're putting out, then the right people will see it. And that's exactly what I went through. And that's what I still need to say. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paint for myself. I'm going to create for myself. And the people that like it, they like it. And, yeah, you're going to face obstacles. You're going to face, you know, struggles and tribulations. You're going you're, you're gonna to go through it. But, you know, you just have to keep, you just have to keep working. There's nothing that's worth having comes to you, whether it's business, uh, job, anything. So if you expect it to come overnight, it's not going to come overnight. But you have to just keep, uh, you just have to keep going with it and enjoy the journey. Like, when, when I look back on these stories of like that I'm now that I'm sharing them with you, it's like those were all journeys that kind of shaped where I am now and shaped the person that I that I become. And I wouldn't have what like, you know I, I wouldn't do it any other way. If you do it. What is it that because you said you have to keep going right yeah. like through all these obstacles? What is it that kept you going? You just believe that the, art should, art's your purpose. Is that the, what kept the you biggest going? thing? Is like if I'm naturally good at something, like I need to show the world that I'm good at it, and I need to if I can like capitalize off of it. And like provide for myself and my family then like i'm gonna do whatever i need to do to like get to that point and the thing that can make kept me going and i guess this is a recurring theme is family right, you know? right. Like, even if i know some people they might not have the best support network but it, it should come with from within as well like if, yeah. if you see that your close family members or friends aren't aren't supporting you then hey that's their loss because this is this is you know the value of this you know what it's going to be worth and you know that if you just keep working at it like 
again, just it comes back to to you know supporting yourself. You have to bet on yourself, right? Yeah. That's that's actually stole that from Fred Van Fleet. That's the slogan: bet on yourself. Yeah. You, you have to, even when all the odds are against you, you just have to keep just have to keep working keep away at it. Because if you're truly passionate about something, it will it will it'll eventually it has to. For sure, and I think that's a really good way to just kind of go towards your closing. We always ask every guest this one question, which is. You know, describe one in one word if you have one word to say what really matters to make someone to, that made you a game changer or that makes anyone a game changer like a quality or any trait I would say just one word um, relationships so that's the biggest thing I think you should have like your relationships with your clients your your business associates your networks your family your friends because if you're if you're good with people if you do good if you're if you're good with others then good things will happen for you uh, you, can, you can't treat people like crap you can't you can't look down on them you can't you can't walk all over them just because you think you're, you know, accomplished in something. Like I'd say, I think relationships are the best things you uh, you can have. It's like what you give is what you get. Yeah, essentially, like you you get to others, and the universe will pay you back. And exactly what you're going goes back to what you're talking about. Since your belief in that, you did so much, you know, free work for all these celebrities yeah. just out of goodwill and just out of appreciation for their own work and yeah. their own sport. Or and, and my biggest thing is like. Yeah, like you also you want to make money. You want to make a lot of money with this, but like I don't, I don't want to do this. Like I don't want to make the money for myself, where I can go buy like my, you know, like Ferrari or Lamborghini. I want to provide for my family, my my wife, my soon to be kid, and even just like helping others who might need it, like whether it's strangers on the street or like donating to a cause or like, because I'm very heavy with like wanting to give back to even just even if you don't know them, just like just people who might just need the help because everyone needs help eventually, or there's financial help or emotional help, but. It's just about helping people and just being good to others. And, you know, going off of that, for anyone who is in, you know, in the creative industry and is, is especially like an upcoming artist, if you're young, you need any sort of advice or just any sort of mentorship, like, you know, Raymond, we'll, we'll, we'll link his Instagram and you guys can definitely reach out, DM. <clears throat> As you can see, like, he really wants to help, especially in Edmonton. You know, there's so many, so many creative minds. And if anyone is interested, like, please reach out to him. He's, we'll, we'll put it all his information as well. Yeah, like any any questions, any tips of advice, I'm open. Like I have people message me all the time, like what kind of paints do you use? What to suggest for making your paint you know, flow a bit smoother? And I'm like, hey, like I I can take two seconds out of my time to five minutes out of my time, uh, hit them up because that's something I would have appreciated, you know, if someone else did that. But yeah, again, it's just about kind of just helping others, is like just being good to each other. Right. I guess that's a that's a perfect segue almost to our close. So where can people find you? Um, Plug your Instagram. Your yeah, website. so uh, my Instagram is just Ramon H. So that's R A H M A A N H, and then my website is RamonStudios.com. Right. Perfect. All right, guys. Thanks for watching. Thanks, Ramon, for coming no, on. Thanks for having me, guys. I had a great conversation with you just about your journey and what sure. you're planning on doing. And really appreciate you coming today and sharing. Your... All right, guys. We'll catch you guys later. Thanks again for watching. Peace. Watch us lose all that audio.